Kaya FM Podcast. Kaya FM. Kaya FM. 95.9. Home of the Afropolitan. Ever wanted to buy property, uh, convert your property from a residential property or agricultural property into something from which you can make money? Like a business property where you can trade, um, run some other form of a business. If that's your interest or just simply wanted to buy a home for your family, this is the show to be listening to. Tonight on The Law Report, we're talking everything you need to know about property law, whether you are a buyer, a seller, a developer. This is the show for you. Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Matuening Bill. A very good evening to you and welcome to The Law Report. My name is Michael Matuening Bill. It's good to be with you this evening where once again we talk about issues of law and this evening we're talking property law. Uh, so do give us a call, 86 I'm joined by a property expert, um, an attorney and conveyancer, Buibelo Nobembe. I'll introduce her uh, just now, but often as lawyers we hear people talking about issues that that relates to the purchase of property where somebody says to you, hey, Michael, I've bought property and I sign an affidavit with this person and I'm expecting to take occupation of this property or I've been living in this property for so many years and this, prop- this person is coming back to me today and saying, hey, I have to move out. Or you bought property from one person and another person says, hang on, this is my property. I own this property. So we'll be teaching you everything that you need to know about the purchase of property because this is especially true amongst our communities where some homes are called family homes. You know, we'll even talk about whether that means anything at all. Um, who can sell those properties? That's tonight in the Law Report. And as always, do send us your tweets at Matoning Bill Attorneys. That's my Twitter handle. And um, a call as well. Um, we take literally any of your questions. And, and often uh, people would be having debates about why does it take so long for you to be able to buy a property, rezone it into a business property, and then get building plans approved? And that whole chain arguably takes approximately three years. Why does it take so long and what are the processes that one needs to follow? And the other topic, which is of course of, of, of great interest to would-be developers, where there's a, there's a, we, we know that there's a, a housing need, people are in need of accommodation, and there might be entrepreneurs, business people that are thinking, hang on, I want to go into that property space. How do you go into that property space and how do you make sure that you convert an otherwise open piece of land into a viable township establishment. That's what we're covering. But most importantly, we're covering what you want us to cover. And we can cover what you want us to cover if you phone us on 86 Let me welcome my guest, uh, Bipilo Nombembe. Uh, she's a conveyancer. I would say, Nombembe, good evening to you and thank you so much for talking to us this evening. Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me. You know, often we take for granted that, that you know, property law is, is such a, an, an easy process. But, but you know, yeah. for, for many people, uh, they get burnt. And, 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 and I suppose um, the, the, the best starting place is if, if, if I'm buying property, what are some of the things that I should ensure are done to make sure that tomorrow I don't cry? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Michael, you're very right. A lot of people do get, get scammed uh, when it comes to buying property. I think I'd say there, may, there are two major things I'd say a client should consider. Mm. Let's really research, 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 research. I can't stress that enough. You need to know who you're de- dealing with, whether you're dealing with the seller directly or with the agent. It's always important to know who you're dealing with and also be aware of your budget. That's where a lot of purchasers get hit with fees that they never expected because when they're purchasing property, they're looking just at the purchase price Mm. and they don't really consider all the other factors that are involved in Mm. purchasing a property, such as the transfer fees, you know, the different attorneys you'll be paying, especially if you're the purchaser, transfer duty. Purchasers forget about transfer duty and that's a very big chunk um, of your transfer fees over and above the purchase price of the property. Once the property is registered in your name, the municipal deposits that you have to pay. There are lots of different fees and costs involved that the purchasers tend to, well, not that they forget it, but they're really not aware of Mm because they're just so focused on the purchase price. So I'd really say research and budget are the two things that purchasers need to look out for. And and, and maybe let's let's pick up on on the first point that you raise about 
um, you know, your research. So if, if I'm interested in a property and there's a for sale uh-huh. sign there, um, what would, what should my research uh, entail and what should I be looking at? So what are the key things I should be saying? Is this in place? Check. Is that in place? Check. Mm-hmm. Okay. I generally start with the state agency's board. So if there's a for sale sign outside of a property, mm-hmm. visit the state agency's board's website, put in that agent's details. So you mm-hmm. generally put in the name of the state agency and the agent themselves. See if they've got a valid uh, fidelity fund certificate. Mm. If it's valid, you know that that agent is in good standing, and you you have a backing. Should something happen, hap- should something happen with the agent in the process? So, so what does the Fidelity Fund certificate um, provide, or, or you know, what's the benefit to me as a consumer? Okay, so the benefit to you as a consumer that the Fidelity Fund certificate lets you know that the estate agent is a registered agent with the estate agency's board. Mm-hmm. That's very important. You need to deal with estate agents who are registered because um, a lot of the time they have trust accounts. Okay. So there are lots of implications for them should something go wrong with the transaction. Whereas if you're dealing with an estate agent who's not registered, someone just was off the street, if you pay that deposit to them, they could spend your money and... Right. You lose your money. You okay. Lose your so, money. so, 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 checklist number one: make sure that if it's an estate agent, that the estate agent is uh, is registered and has a fidelity uh-huh. fund certificate. Yeah. Um. So, 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 so that's check. And what happens if it's not an estate agent? What then do I do? I look out for. Um. You know that there are websites where a private seller can mm. can put for for sale their property without going via an agent. Sure. In that case, I mean, I would re- recommend you visit your local deed office, mm-hmm. get that seller's details, especially in private sales, get the seller's details, ensure that that person really is the person who owns the property. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not dealing with a third party who's just trying to scam you. I really recommend you visit your nearest deed office or consult with an attorney because an attorney can quickly run a search on the on the deeds office database and let you know that okay you are dealing with the right person they do own the property mm. and then you also know whether there's a bond involved so you know not to pay the purchaser directly something that purchasers also fall prey to paying well, and, people and, directly. and i want to visit that i want to visit that mm-hmm. whole topic of, mm-hmm. of, of paying people directly um if you've mm-hmm. just tuned in i'm having a conversation with bipila nombembe she's an attorney and conveyancer um, and we're talking about all things property. So whatever question you might have for her, please do give us a call. The number to dial 86 959 I mean, um, you, you, the, 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 the issue of payment is, is one where one would often have people come to um, uh, my office or, or even people that I know that I grew up with in, in, in the various places where I've lived and they say, you know, I paid, I paid uh, so-and-so for this house in, in Soweto or in uh, wherever, and um, I pay them 50,000 rands. Um, and um, they gave me the house and now somebody else is coming and saying they own. So how do you actually make sure that you don't pay money or in what circumstances do you pay and who do you pay to? Because this thing of payment is important. It really is important. I'd say never pay unless you're paying into an, a conveyances trust account. Sure. All other circumstances never pay. It's either the agent, if you're paying a deposit, or the conveyancer. Right. Um, you never pay a private person because, like you just said, you end up with a situation whereby somebody else comes and says, hey, I've paid for this house as well. And now mm. there's a claim over the property. And a lot of the time in cases like that, the property hasn't even been transferred to the person who's occupying the house thinking they've paid for it. Mm. That's usually a big, big problem. So when it comes to payment, it's always, always attorneys or um, your estate agents. Trust account must be a trust account, not a business account. I have so a tweet. On that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 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 sorry, uh, I have okay. a tweet from uh, No Shame in Divorce. Uh, and she and she asks, and, and I, I'm really assuming that it is a she. Um, okay. I'm married um, in commun- uh, sorry, ANC with accrual, currently okay. divorcing. We have a joint property which I have been paying since inception. Um, his responsibility was to pay the municipal rates, which he neglected, and the account is in arrears. How do I remove him from the bond? Help, in caps. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, removing him from the bond, that would require an application mm. um, with your bondholder, generally the bank, to remove him from the bank, from the bond, um, the bond document. Mm. So, I mean, then what would then happen is that they'd review her credit score again. But, but I mean, I mean, even before we get to that, I mean, surely mm-hmm. if, if, if you and I uh, both have a house together, um, uh, why can't I remove you? Why are you removing me? Uh, surely, you know, um, it has to be um, more involved than that. Um, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe just sort of, uh, you know, I, I'm really interested because you, it, I don't want to move from the premise that she does indeed have the right to remove the guy. Yeah, true. Mm. It, it really does depend on the divorce decree. Mm. And I mean, they married in a cruel. It would have been, had it been out and out, mm. and Auntie was out and out without a cruel, it's simple. Whoever named the house is in. Yeah, I mean, but in this case, it's a joint property. In this case, uh, it's a joint property and they married with the accrual. So, you know, every case is re- viewed on its own merit. So the outcome of the divorce decree would firstly give us, identify who the rightful owner of the property would be mm. once the divorce is finalized in accordance with the settlement. And once all of that is done, that's when you start making applications to remove this person from the bond documents, from the actual even title deed. Mm. That's when that starts taking forth an effect. But in her situation, it really it depends on the outcome of the divorce settlement. You, you know, I'm quite uh, interested in this point, Bupilo, because she mm-hmm. says that the the other party, the the the, the husband, because he says yeah. his, she says his, his responsibility was to pay municipal rates. Okay. Is it important who was paying for um, the bond and who was paying for what when it comes to a property that we own together? Is that a relevant factor? Um, in other words, um, to you know, is it an, an advantage? Does it does it lend itself to offer and some other uh, advantage to 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 the lady who was paying the bond of the property? And and given that the other party failed to pay the municipal rates as per the agreement, um, yeah. might have had to to fork out the the, the uh, municipal taxes. You know, Michael, like I said, every case is reviewed on its own merit. But not necessarily, mm. because if you recall, it's a joint property, so both their names are on the title deed. In the eyes of the law, they're both joint owners, mm. regardless of who's paying what. They're both joint owners. They both own the property. So they both have a real right to that property. And yeah. no one can take it from the other just on the basis of, you know, it's not black and white. It's just can't be just on the basis of you didn't pay municipal mm. rates. So I'm going to take that right away from you. It's it's on the title deed, and that's just how it's it's viewed in the eyes of the law. Mm. I'm in conversation with Bibelo November. We're talking about property law. So if you have any questions, um, you know, like no shame in divorce, where where you want to know some of the legal implications of of, for example, what happens to a property that you own together. The example that we just explored. Um, was of somebody that is probably an easier case because they married out of community property with an accrual, but they still own the property jointly. So, and 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 you know, sometimes we even talk about this in the context of a marriage. But sometimes, um, two people that are unmarried to one another can jointly buy property. And and I'm just wondering what happens then in the event of them ceasing to get along. Um, in the in the case of a fallout, you mean. Mm. You know, like I said previously, the documents state what they state. Mm. You're both joint owners. If you have a falling out, it needs to be decided between the two of you. Who's mm. going to buy who out? Um, one can't just unilaterally remove um, a person from the documents. But it gets a bit more complicated, though, because if there's a bond involved, you need to get consent from the bondholders. If the bond, say... You got 100,000 rand towards Mm. the bond and your partner got 100,000 rand towards the bond Mm. because they couldn't afford to get the full 200,000 rand. Mm. It becomes a bit difficult now because you're left in a position whereby you have to sell the property together Mm -hmm. if they can't can't secure a bond for the full amount. Now, as I buy you out, if I can't secure a bond, I can't buy you out. So it's really, it's really sort of a, a difficult scenario, isn't it? Because if, 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 if you and I jointly own a property and we have a fallout and, uh-huh. and that, you know, ordinarily, and, and I think 
this is the advice that I would give to anybody. Ordinarily, if you're going to buy a property jointly, and sometimes people need to do this because, you know, you can't buy the property by yourself, but if you, yeah. if you combine your efforts with somebody else, then you, you potentially are able to. Have a clause that uh, regulates your own arrangement, and, and I, I would actually prefer that you even do it in, 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 a, in a legal entity such as a, a company where yeah. you cause a company to buy the property. And often you would then have a situation where in the company document or the constitution of the company, you'd prescribe and say, hang on, if we ever have a fallout, this is how we're going to manage that fallout. So I can, you know, we can outbid each other and buy each other out. If we can't buy each other out, then we're going to take the property on auction or whatever the case might be. So that's one of the ways that I find, you know, is, is very helpful. Um, so we're we talking property law. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm in conversation with we uh, Pelo November. She's an attorney and conveyancer. So any questions that you have, do give us a call uh, on 86 And alternatively, you can also send me a tweet at Mutwening uh, at Bill. That's my Twitter handle. I'm going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be taking your calls. Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Mutwening Bill. Welcome back to the Law Report. We continue our discussion talking property law. So, want to buy a property, want to sell a property. And often I find that when people are selling property, they pretty much just surrender to the estate agent and let the estate agent run everything and them left with very little say except the purchase price. And there's there's a lot of rights that you, you do have, even as a seller, that you would want to make sure that you get yourself some value. And um, um, we, we're going to be exploring some of that. But but the other things that, 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 are, that are quite interesting in this value chain is, is also, you know, what happens even before the issue of buying? What happens if you want to be a developer? What's the process? How long does it take? Any questions that you want to take that relate to property, do give us a call. And, 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 and I think another question that came via Twitter is around, is around you know, the, the effects of, of, of your property rights when you are married and how that process plays out. So, so we'll deal with that as well, but we are still taking your calls and, um, on 86 And like Richard, you can also give us a call. Richard, good evening to you. Hello, Richard. All right. Me. Hello, it's not Richard. All right. Um, please identify yourself. <laughs> Good evening. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm all right, thank you. Can I remain anonymous? All right, it's anonymous. All right. Hello. Sure. Yes. All right. I've got a question. I'm actually going to be speaking out of frustration. Sure. I've, in terms of new development, mm. if, because um, if you sign, after you've signed, there's usually a snack list in terms of the stuff that they haven't completed or the stuff that are not right mm. with the property. Mm-hmm. And then when you sign, there's also that snack list of the stuff that you identified at that stage. What does the law say with regards to that snack list? Does it ever get, comp- what, what does it, like what do I do then as the buyer? Because it doesn't get completed. Okay, it hasn't been completed. It's like now almost six months later. So, so I'm assuming you're buying a property off plan. Yes, yes. And okay. and 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 your query is the property is complete. Is it complete the the building? Yes, it's complete. And you're asking, well, what do you do if the snag list is not complete? Is not is not yes. is not complete. But but isn't it what? your responsibility to complete the snag list? My understanding, the way they explained it when they did the registration with the lawyers, the whole process was that I come check the area, the yeah. place, and then anything that um, are not okay, I give them a list so that they can fix them. Spot on. I haven't even moved in. Yes. Right. So I come in and then I tick, tick, this is not a problem, this is a problem. And then they said, okay, submit them. And then I tell them, this is what I have identified. Obviously, once I've moved in, I don't know what I'll pick up. Mm-hmm. And then I gave them that, and then they said, okay, they will attend to the snake list, and then it was a process of signing, getting the a property registered, and then it got registered, and then I moved in, and then once you've moved in, you pick up other issues that this is not working, this is faulty. Well, g- give, me a, give me an example, because, I mean, there's, there's things that are reasonable wear and tear, you know, uh, so what 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 would what what did okay. you find so that okay. so that when I invite Bupila to address your question, she, we we okay. we we're more specific. I'll just take some of the items sure. that were initially. 
there would be missing towels, there would be a leakage, leakage in the toilet. Yeah. There would be, and you know, if you, you, the towels, if you walk on the towels, it looks like as if it's empty, like there's an echo on some of the towels. And then there would be the toilet uh, baths are not sealed properly. There would be dust coming in up there by the roof between the ceiling and the wall, like there's constantly mm. dust coming through. Mm. And then there would be right. some lights that were not working. Got they it. Would just got it. Stop working. All right, I, I got it. I got it, anonymous. That sounds like quite a quite a number of things. And and these, the, the, did they did they address the issues that were in your snag list? I did mention all of those things to them that this is not working, and some of them. So, were so I'm just trying to establish whether the the, the the things that you're now finding when you moved on are they additional to the snag list issues, or these are just completely new. They are additional to the snag list. So the snag list issues still remain, as well as the new issues. Yes. All right, uh, Bupilo. Yes. Okay. So anonymous. Generally, um, was there a retention clause in your offer to purchase? Because what should happen is that there should be monies that are generally retained, retained, um, and paid as things are done. So with generally with development, once the foundation is done, there's an amount paid over. And at every level, once the walls come up, there's an amount paid over the roof. All of these things add up, and including, like you say, in the snag list, um, there should be a retention amount. And by rights, your developers, if there was such a clause, your developers should not have been paid until all these things have been rectified mm. to your satisfaction. And really, you should just be demanding it and following it up with the attorneys who um, took on the registration, who've done the registration as well as the developer, because they really are obligated to make sure that they give you what you paid for. So, 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 so where, where does her recourse lie? As against her, the attorney or as against the developer? And how does she pursue definitely it? against the de- developer. It's definitely against the developer. Mm-hmm. So I would really suggest you get an attorney, one who's qualified in property law, and, 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 and litigation as well, property law litigation, mm. because you have a problem on your hand. You've bought a property and things aren't, to your satisfaction, you really need to demand that specific performance from the developer. So the report is directly from the uh, developer in mm. your case. Okay, mm. okay so, um, yeah. Sorry, Martin, can I just ask, um, she did say that she's um, communicated this to the developer, am I correct, and the attorneys. How did she communicate? Okay, sorry, sorry. Um, uh, anonymous, um, so we're just going to try to get her back and maybe... Um, I'm still, be- yeah. Yeah. Please ask the question again, uh, Wibelo. Anonymous, I was just asking, how did you report your snag list? Was it just through the form that you were given and all the other additional things? Was it an email, writing? Always keep that communication. Was it in writing? Yes, it was in writing. And then at some, initially I also did request for that retention. And then the bank Mm -hmm. was ready and they did it. And then the Mm -hmm. developer refused and said it'd rather be cancelled the whole deal yeah. if it would be a retention yeah. done. And then they, remember they also have their own lawyers who assist with the registration. Yeah. And then the lawyers phoned and they promised that, okay, no, we promise they'll be fixed. And I did tell them, if already we've been battling from a year ago to get this thing mm-hmm. fixed, what guarantee do I have that after registration they will still come back and fix them? Then the lawyers, their manager there was phoning saying, no, we assure you, they even had it on email, that whatever. And I did make them aware that I haven't lived today. This is what I've picked up. And I'm mm. not sure what I'll pick up once I've moved it. And I have been communicating with them as I pick up things that, okay, this is not working. This is working. I picked up electrical fault there. There are some plugs. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't work, you know. And I did make them away. But until now, I did ask for that retention. And then they said, mm-hmm. look. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, Anonymous, your recourse really is in demanding the specific from the developer. Um, yes, it's in demanding whether you do it with an attorney, which I would highly recommend. Okay. Hmm. 
um, you get an attorney who's going to write a letter of demand, demanding that specific performance going through the list. Was there a time period within which you were to report all of all of your thanks? No, no, they didn't give me a time period. It wasn't a time period, okay. Within six months, you must have, no, there was not a time period given. Okay. Yeah, it's very important that you, I really suggest you get in touch with an attorney. Okay. Um, so you can demand a specific, especially when you start talking about things like electrical works that aren't working because they should have an, a certificate, an ECC certificate, a certificate of, of compliance. Um, so if they have that, but they, there's electrics that aren't working, I was actually going to have yeah. that as my follow-up question because because yeah. when when the electrician issues um, the certificate of, of compliance, th- then that that electrician is certifying that everything is in order. So exactly. surely there's sort of multiple layers of of liability and and multiple parties. Definitely, definitely. All right, let's take another call. Tulani from Auckland Park. Good evening to you and welcome. Hi there. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And yourself? I'm great, thanks. Um, I just have a question here. Um, my parents actually bought a house around 2007. Uh, it was through an auction. And, okay, mm-hmm. um, basically the people that have been staying, I think that house was uh, repo- being repossessed or something, so they bought that house. And basically the people that have been occupying the house have been staying there for over 10 years now and they don't want to actually leave the house. So it's been through to the public protector's office, um, through to the sheriff, and generally I think it's, it, it, it's a problem with the community there because a lot of houses there are up for reposition and as soon as they're being evicted, they just move in inside and it's really been a back and forth uh, thing. So I just wanted to know in a situation like this, what does one do? Mm. And may I just ask out of interest, where is this? Mm-hmm. Where is this? Where, it, where's the property? The, it's in Pumola, uh, East Rand. Right. All right. Uh, Bubela? Okay. Um, sure. Yeah. You know, property is bought on auction. That's especially repossessed properties. That's always a risk with uh, repossessed properties where you find that the occupants won't leave. In such a case, you have to invoke the natural steps of the eviction process. You have to apply for that eviction Mm. and go through that because, I mean, as occupants, they also have rights because they're in that property. Um, But you need to let the law take its course. Um, Yeah. I think think what I I, I always caution... um, and you know, so so the the truth of the matter, Tulani, is is that properties bought on auction come at quite a good price, uh, but that price could be more than what appears. So because what you then got to factor in, and and um, is is precisely the the fact that they specifically tell you at the auctions that they don't guarantee free occupation, and and they're very specific because they know that the person that the person from whom the property has been repossessed is probably, you know, some families have been living there for 15 years um, and and they're part of that community. So they know that it's very difficult to get them out. And, 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 and this story, what you're saying about community organizing themselves to resist evictions and to resist, it's, it's been happening for a number of years. So the, the truth of the matter is, for you know, for uh, and I know maybe the advice might be a little bit too late for for your parents to learn it, but for for you, the Afropolitan at home, the reality is when you're buying a house at an auction, make sure that it's it's you've it's so cheap that you've factored in the possibility that you may not take occupation of the property for about a year when you are pursuing the eviction process because you will get it; it's in your name, so it's yours. So the person that occupies it for all intents and purposes, occupies unlawfully because they have no title to the property. You do, and as a matter of law. So what you then do is that you then got to set aside at least, you know, uh, between 20 and 30,000, depending on, on the circumstances, just to pursue the eviction application. Now, that's just the lawyer fees or the cost of doing it. But the other cost is you would be paying the bond or servicing that bond if you have a, a mortgage bond in respect of the property or you would have outlaid cash and capital in respect of a property that you don't occupy. So, so unfortunately, um, um, 
um, you, you would find it very difficult to get help. And people that play in that auction space understand the game and they factor in those costs. Um, so, so, so just like Bupilo said, now that your parents find themselves in the situation they find themselves, the only thing that you can do is pursue eviction uh, uh, um, uh, proceedings, which are somewhat costly and may, may take you some time. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure if you want to add because I, I was actually thinking as I was speaking with Bilo, I know historically as well there was an issue around you buy that property and then you find that it has municipal debt. I know there's been a few cases in court um, and I'm not sure to what extent this has changed, but if you buy a property um, at an auction, you then find that the property is bought for you. It's worth 500. You buy it for 100,000 rands, but it owes 400,000 rands in in, in rates and taxes and unpaid water and all sorts of debt on the property because typically when people can't pay the bond the first thing that they stop paying are rates and taxes and the second thing they stop paying is potentially electricity and the third thing is the bond so by the time you get it it's all of those things have you you might have to inherit them i'm not sure if that's still the position we i don't know it's, it still is the position yeah where you, you uh, where you take over that. yeah Mm. Yeah, so that's the risk with buying on auction. Mm. Um, so like you said, generally the people who play in that space are aware and, fa- and factor in all of these um, additional costs that someone who's new to the auction market wouldn't necessarily know. And when you face with a situation like Tulani's parents, you know, you caught off guard, truly caught off guard as a first-time buyer at the auction. Yeah, but don't lose hope. I mean, um, you, 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 you can still evict. The, the, the one thing I would do is I wouldn't trouble with the, with the, you know, the public protector, et cetera, because I, I'm not even sure that is within the public protector's mandate. The only thing that you can do is launch eviction proceedings. Um, yeah, that's, that's what's available to you. But, but, you know, take my advice with a pinch of salt. I, I'm not alive to all the facts and circumstances of, of your case. Judith from the South, good evening. Hi, how are you? Very good, and you? Um, good, thank you. Um, we, are, in this regard, I'm the seller. Mm-hmm. So we had an offer to purchase signed already around January, and mid-Jan, we got a signed transfer attorney. I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. To this day, they have not finalized the sale. It's right. a back and forth about us then telling us that um, we need to wait for an update, two to four working days. And then they told us there was an attachment on the property and off late they said the property has been, um, the attachment has been removed. But the, my biggest question rather is, you mentioned earlier in the show that you can, you, the, the check boxes that you need to do is to check whether an estate agent is registered and all of that. Mm-hmm. But how do we um, keep track or police the conveyance? Because we try to complain on different forums, Facebook pages, there's nothing that's happening. They're taking their time in every single stage of the sale. We had to push for feedback. We had to push for them to do something. Let, let me just ask a question. Um, the, the, the sale, did you do it yourself or via an estate agent? Yes, it was a private sale. And then you, you would have gone and chosen your own conveyancer? No, the bank chose for us. The so convention for the transfer. Uh, I'm not sure which is which, okay, but right. they do both the transfer and the conveyancing because there's no other right, attorneys okay. involved. It's just one company that's doing everything, I suppose. I get it. So, so you know, but I guess the question there is, who do you complain to and how do you get recourse? But built into that is is something that I've just sort of read into that where she's the seller, but she didn't um, uh, choose the the the. the the, 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 the conveyancer. And so I just wanted maybe to distinguish where the bank, the bank comes in. So there's two roles. The, there's somebody that, that will be registering the bond and somebody that's transferring the property. Maybe just take, um, uh, uh, take Judith through that so that we, we sort of, you know, for the Afropolitan that would in future be selling a property, they know what their mm-hmm. rights are. Okay. Yes, Michael. So you're right. I mean, a lot of sellers actually don't realize that they get to elect who transfers their property. So in a property transfer, you generally have three types of attorneys. You'd have the transferring attorney, which the seller has the right to choose. You have the bond cancellation attorney, if the property is bonded, which the bank appoints. And then you have the bond registration attorney, which the bank would also appoint. Yes. So it's, it's, um, 
yeah, in practice, a lot of sellers don't even know that they actually are able to choose their own transferring attorneys, which is a great advantage, though, because you get to work with somebody that most of the time you know or is a good referral. You know who you're dealing with, know the processes. Um, for instance, in Judith's case, she hasn't been getting updates. The process has taken long, quite long. I mean, if this was done in January, yeah, the year is almost coming to a close and still nothing is done, whereas normal transfers take about three months. Yeah, and so, that's actually worst case scenario, isn't it? Three months is like a worst case scenario. Because, yeah, three months is worst case yeah. scenario because you want to factor in applications for bonds, all those little factors. So we just give ourselves three months, but it can happen sooner. Mm. But when, once it starts going over three months, the seller gets starts worrying, rightfully so, because mm. especially if you're not getting the right type of update. Sure, and 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 now now that things are the way they stand, what 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 mm-hmm. what's her recourse? Okay, Judith, so the recourse is generally approaching, if you've approached the attorney multiple times and you're still not getting any joy from them, your next step would generally be the law society mm-hmm. to force that attorney to actually contact you, tell you what's going on, tell you why your matter, specifically why your matter is delaying. Yeah. Because there must be a specific reason. It can't be gray, shady areas. You need to know there must be what's wrong with the property. Is it clearances? You're not getting clearances. Is it the transfer duty? There could be a, a problem at some regarding the transfer duty, but there must be specific reasons. It can't just be, well, the process is taking long. Why is the process taking long? And those are the questions that, I don't know, maybe you could just elaborate. Have yeah. you had specific reasons as to why it's taken this long? You know what I would actually do, Judith? If you know, uh, just just thinking about this, essentially you didn't choose the transferring attorney. You mm. you 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 know somebody chose, and you know you, you you as a seller you must choose the who transfers the property. And it would appear that the bank seems to have imposed an attorney firm on you. And how attorney and how the banks work is that they would have a panel of attorneys that they use for respective transfers and registration of bonds. And those attorneys undergo a, a process to to be kept on on that panel so so if you report at the first level if you report this attorney to 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 the bank that should get you some movement but i don't see why you can't fire this attorney as well because it's not that you know um it's not that uh you you are married to the to the attorney if the attorney is not delivering you say if i don't hear anything in seven days you're fired and you just simply appoint somebody else that that can get the job right if for some other reason that you're married i I don't see how then you can escalate to the law society as as we pillar suggested but it seems to me that the law society process might be um uh, the last resort there's lower hanging fruit such as just firing the guy yourself all right i want to take a break and when we come back uh we below we below and uh, uh, and i are continuing the discussion talking about property law and as always we take your calls Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Matuening Bill. 16 minutes before 9 o'clock, we continue our discussion. I'm joined on the line by Buibelo Nombembe. She's an attorney and conveyancer. And, and she and I are taking your calls on anything property related. So whether you're buying a property, selling a property, going through a divorce, in the course of owning a property, this is a show to call into. And you can do that by doing like Sipo did by dialing 86 Sipo, good evening to you. Hi, how are you? I'm well, and you? I'm good. Mm. You know, um, I bought a property in an estate. Mm-hmm. Yes, but now, um, you know, after signing all the documents, the contract, the property was transferred into our names. Now, I've got a problem with this uh, home associ- uh, homeowners association. Welcome to the club. Yes, <laughs> we are. We, we had a problem with the issue of the ladies and then went to court. And now the argument was uh, after signing the document and the property has been transferred into your name, you automatically become the owner. Mm. And that was not uh, revealed to us when we find the property. And now they are saying that if you don't want to become the owner, you must sell. Actually, they are forcing you to sell the property so that you don't become the the, the board member of the home, uh, owners association. But the problem is the, the, the rules that they made uh, on this complex doesn't suit us. We are from different backgrounds. We've got the black people, colored, uh, Africans, English. And it all. if you look at the, the rules that they've set, it only favors the white people. Right. Uh, Give me yeah. an example. 
like for an example, our kids are not supposed to play on the on the on the on the roads here. They don't have a playing playing count. They don't have anything for entertainment, and they are saying that you're not supposed to you have your pets. Uh, uh, roaming around here in the properties. They are not, you're not supposed to have your pets going to other person's house. I don't have a dog, I don't have a cat, but you'll find that the cat has messed up in my property here and they've circulated everything, but that, they, there's nothing happening with the pets here. And our kids are not important, but the pets are more important than our kids. You see, that's the problem. And if you look at this road, they don't even cater for us. They only cater for a certain uh, race. <clears throat> Now, when I asked uh, at the court that when was this law? This law was made in 1960-something. Prior, I even thought I would buy this property. It doesn't cater for these different kind of people. So now, how do I go about to make sure that this suits everybody? Because so so, so your, gripe, your gripe, Sipo, is let's have rules that accommodate everybody that's that's the question you want but we don't need to answer exactly because yeah. now if you look at this world it's only suits people i mean if this was made this act was passed in 1960 something yeah. it is 20 i bought this property in 2010 yeah um i was i never thought that i would be owning this property but i get this it exists now I don't think it is con- it, is, it is not constitutional. It it deprives me of my right as an owner of the property. To to, okay. Now let's let's explore your the, what's at at the center of your gripe. Um, mm-hmm. You're saying you don't. It says other people's animals shouldn't come into your other people's pets shouldn't come into you shouldn't leave the the owner's property. And, yes. and surely that's a good rule. You agree with that? Yes. So you don't really have a problem with that. You have a problem with its enforcement. The problem is that I don't have a pet. Yeah. But if you look around my class here, there's, there's those pets... That but, but that means you them. can write to them and say, hey, guys, uh, somebody's pet is coming into my property and I'd like you to find them or whatever. So then, then that solves your problem. It doesn't because when you complain to these people, they're not taking it into consideration. But you have kids playing on the street then there are other people who take photos and send it to the body cooperative to be circulated. I mean, the one on, that one is, is a little bit nonsensical because how do you have kids not play outside of your yard? It's, it's, exactly. It's, yeah, exactly. so that one, that one is a little bit problematic. Um, and, I, and I'll give you a personal experience, um, yeah. two, two experiences. There's, there's, there's um, a, a place where we lease commercial property. And there's a rule there that says, or in the lease, it says that the, um, the, you, you should ensure that your employees don't sit on the grass. And I thought, hang on, that's a little bit worrisome because who are the people that would ordinarily have lunch on the grass and, and whatever? It is, it is people that can't afford to sit at restaurants. And who are those people? It's people that are often doing the, 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 the lowly paid jobs. Uh, so I thought, geez, that's a little bit, uh, uh, you know, controversial, and I thought that would make for a nice challenge. And then I'll give you another example at the estate where I live or the, or the place where I live. There's a rule there that says you can't slaughter. And I'm like, hang on, the day I want to slaughter, I'm actually going to slaughter. It's just, you know, I've just never had to, because that's also not, not, not right in, 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 um, in, a, in, in a country such as ours. Because, because it does have the effect of only affecting one segment of the population because only black people want to slaughter. So, and it's inconsistent with any other rule. I mean, why wouldn't I slaughter? Uh, uh, shouldn't the worry be how I affect my neighbors and whether I'm doing it in a, in a manner that is not cruel to the animal? Uh, uh, to the animal? So, so th- th- there, are, there are, you know, so uh, it, it would be a lovely case to one day get, uh, uh, I'm not sure we whether you share the sentiment, where somebody's saying, I've got this fight. Let's let's challenge it, and and you know let's let's challenge the body corporate here, because th- these rules are, are are sort of I don't want to say racist, but are culturally insensitive at at a minimum and and at best racist. It would make for a great case. Mm. Um, I think it really would make for a great case. However, in Sipo's current situation, he is an owner in the estate. He's got the benefit of being a part of the HOA. Yes. Whether he was asked to or not, when you purchase in an estate, it generally is in the offer to purchase as well as the title deed. That once you become the owner, you become part of the HOA. So I'd encourage you to 
attend the meetings, attend the AGMs, have your say. Yeah. Challenge these, challenge these rules at on the right platform, at the right platform, and see where it goes from there. But otherwise, it would be quite interesting were it, you know, to be challenged. And, and just to add to your point, uh, Wipila, you know, what, what mm-hmm. I also find in, from personal experience again is that mm-hmm. you find that us as black people, when we get into um, these spaces of, you know, public participation, there'll be like elections for board members. And we mm-hmm. don't go to AGMs and, and yet we expect to be accommodated Change. when we actually don't participate. So maybe, Sipo, that's something that you, you might consider looking at. I'll take another call. Zama from the Val. Good evening. Hi, how are you? I'm well and you. Good. I've got a, like, a few issues. All right. Okay. Yeah. First issue, my parents own an agricultural land, a plot, like a five-acre plot. They tried doing the farming thing. It's not working. But they also don't want to let go of the plot, but they want to do some kind of business, and they don't know how they can convert that into an incoming uh, thing. Because our neighbors, they seem to be owning um, trucks. You know, uh. and which is quite annoying actually, um, because they're constantly damaging your grass. You fix the grass, they're constantly damaging it. You know, uh. so I don't know what advice you can give. That's one um, situation. Sure. And then two, we've got um, my sister and I. We took a joint bond to buy a place at Val Marina, um, which is. Um, on your way to Vilas from the Val, you know, it's by the river. It's quite I nice. Know it. it's, it's quite lovely. Yes. Yes. It, it's, it's quite lovely. But now um, I'm, I'm starting to get worried in terms of the conversation you guys were having in terms of do I, uh, the person who's selling us the house, are they registered and all that? Because it's almost like, a, uh, you know, those small tannies, those small dorpies where everybody knows everybody. So I'm, I'm having second thoughts in terms of now. Maybe I'm doubting um, because of the conversation listening to you guys. <laughs> I think I need to get them yeah. checked first before I um, do any further stuff in, in terms of that. And then the third one. Whoa. I'll, yeah, I know. You said you had a- uh, I was married in community of property, and we, we, we did a division in terms of when I got divorced, mm. you know. He said he's going to buy me out of the house, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And... He he started paying and then he stopped paying, you know, and and when he stopped paying, he went and renovated the house and fixed it and whatever. And the whole settlement is still not done. This was in 2014. Yes. It, we took it to the Luki data. Still nothing got sorted. We've got a um, uh, we've got a, a good, not a perfect relationship. We talk when it's necessary, you know. But however. Now I found out that my name is under judgment for forty four thousand rand yeah. because he missed a couple of months for not paying. Sure, sure. So Z- Zama, let's let we, we we are quickly running out of time. Let's let's get uh, Wipilo to 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 address your question. Wipilo, we have I think three more calls to take, okay. and six minutes. So if we can try to help uh, Zama as as quickly as we can. Okay. Um, with regard to the agricultural land, I don't know what Zama asking about with regard to zoning. Yeah, yeah. Fishy. To what extent can yeah. they use agricultural land for something other than agriculture? Hmm. Yeah, that yeah. was what she was asking. Yeah. Is that what, okay, that's mm-hmm. what she was asking. Look, it's very possible, um, but obviously you have to go to the rezoning. And mm-hmm. with agricultural land, you also have to understand that there's a lot involved there. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the location, can you do that? Will the municipality allow it? They'd look at what's around. Are there other businesses around? I'm not too sure where the neighbors' trucks play here. Mm. But it, it is possible to do something other than just agriculture on the land. But zoning, zoning is key. Yeah, It needs to be zoned correctly. Otherwise, you can't do anything. And if that application fails, you stuck with it as agricultural land. Yeah, and 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 also, you know, it's not a given that it, it will succeed because it, it also is. And there's a precinct plan where a municipality says this side of the of the of the city or the we want to do business factories that side. Mm. So an agriculture this side. So if you can't sort of have a factory in an agricultural space, so so you, yeah. you'd have to consider a number of things. And 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 I suppose the best advice there you'd get from a town planner. And then the yeah. second question that you raises, uh, if I can just take it quickly Zama we don't want to discourage you from buying property we just want you to be cautious so so yeah. don't don't be don't be reluctant be 
cautious. That's the advice. And then um, we, I'm afraid we, we, are running, we are running out of time, so we can't deal with all of your questions. I'm going to take two que- one, one, one more call, Carol from the South, and then um, uh, uh, Bongile and Lebohang. I'm going to take you offline because you did take the trouble to, to phone us, so we're going to try to get your help, but it's not going to be live. Carol, hello. Hello, Carol. All right, so uh, Bongile, I guess you're going live. Hello, Bongile. Okay, hi. hi. Hi, how are you? Well, thanks. Yes, I was supposed to move in two weeks ago mm. in Pratiak Land, mm. extension 29, but water was disconnected. So I went to Jobek Water, and I was told that the previous owner uh, breached the meter. So who's responsible? Because together with the agent, we called the previous owner, and she went to Avalon, you know, a Jobek water there, and oh. she was told that she must pay fourteen thousand. Yes. So she said she doesn't have that fourteen thousand. So, 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 so she breached the water meter before. Yes, yes. So now the property is transferred into your name. Yes. Oh, okay. So, wow, that's an Jobek, interesting one. Uh, we Bella? Yes. So, so, so you're buying a property, and and just as you were about to. Hmm? It has it was transferred. Uh, after was she's breached. To, yes. Yeah. So you, you, you inherit the problem. Yeah. You know. So yeah. who's responsible? What must I do? I can't move in. Sure. Because Jobek Water says that it's the yeah. previous owner's problem. Yeah. Okay. So there's nothing that they can do. Bibila, can we help her in two minutes? Sure. In two minutes, I. Think Two and a half. Let's yeah, let's cause... give it a shot. Uh, let's give it <laughs> okay, a shot. So but otherwise, if we don't finish, we'll 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 finish off um, uh, offline. Uh, Bongile. Yeah, because Bongile. Firstly, what we're dealing here with is a is a criminal offence. Really, um, you haven't just inherited an outstanding water bill. You've inherited somebody who a criminal offence. Mm. So, city of Johannesburg should really be taking it up with the previous owner, especially in that regard, because if she did really bridge the water meter, there's a big problem there. But also, in your case, um, there is recourse for you as well because you're the new purchaser. You've purchased the property. Uh, granted that it's not um, without its own baggage, being this water case. But you could work out an arrangement with the municipality while they are dealing with the, the new seller. Otherwise, you find yourself in a position whereby if she can't pay it, that means you'll never move in because they'll never reconnect the water. So it's about opening that dialogue with the municipality mm. and finding a solution in that. All right. I'm afraid that's all the time we have for, for tonight. Um, Bongile, I, I hope that helps you. Um, but, but, but in my experience, if you talk to, if you talk to um, um, the municipality or the water agency, it can't be a deadlock. That certainly is not going to help anybody, uh, particularly if you can show that you've only just taken transfer of the property and you have no... And when, at the time that you made the offer, you, the water was running fine. And, 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 and I think you had no duty to inspect whether somebody's breaching um, um, uh, uh, is breaching. And, and in fact, as Bipila as, as says, if, they, if the person has committed a criminal offense, they should you know, pursue that, that criminal offense and give you some kind of latitude, particularly if you've only just taken transfer. But anyway, that's all the time we have for tonight. Let me thank uh, very much my guest, Bipila uh, Nombembe. Uh, very, very, very um, helpful indeed. And, 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 and given the number of calls that we've gotten, um, you know, I, I wish that we were able to deal with, with a lot more. But those that did call and those that are in the system, I'll, I'll be talking to you offline um, and, and seeking to help you. And uh, for you at home, the Afropolitan, I, I really hope that um, uh, you found the show enlightening. And um, I look forward to again to being with you next week, Wednesday, same time, where we talk about yet another topic of law. Sutumaya is up next. From me, Michael Mutoning Bill, good evening. Stay tuned. Stay tuned, Stay tuned to Kaya FM for more.